Yeah, this this is this is. Netbank is proud to bring you inspiring stories from a new breed of young professionals. Your circumstances are not permanent. Um, don't let your circumstances force you into things that you're not passionate about and things that you don't like. Take the risk. If you want to do something, go out there. Honestly, the sky is truly not the limit. I mean, we hear that often, but we are really living in the most fertile time where you can literally pursue anything that you want. So I see money as an enabler, and I've always seen money as an enabler, uh, and that's why I was always big in savings since I was very, very young. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Young Professionals, brought to you by NetBank. I am Vumim Sweli, your host, and I have an incredible, very accomplished young lady with me, Miss Melody Tlaba. She has made Mail and Guardian 2019 Top 200 Most Influential Young South Africans. She's won Our Boss of the Year in 2018, I believe. Yes, this was 2018. 2018. And I'm so excited for us to have this conversation. How are you, Melody? I'm well, thanks. And you? I am fantastic. So we're going to get to know Melody a little bit more. So we're going to do a rapid fire round of questions. Are you ready? Yes, I am. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good news is you can't get it wrong. Okay, great. So, bush or beach? Beach. Apple or Android? Android. Seven Colors Sunday Lunch or a braai? Ooh, a braai. Ooh, you like your meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Movies or Netflix? Gosh, that's such a difficult one. It would have to be Netflix. It used to be movies, but it would have to be Netflix because, you know, with age, you just want to stay in Dosmo. Yeah, nice like, and comfy. Yeah. Like you can like forget gown, the popcorn. wine. <laughs> and I can't really do that at a cinema. So I think I know the answer to the next one because the next one is wine or beer. Oh, definitely wine. Definitely a true South African. Mm-hmm. Um, so dinner, dead or alive, who would you invite and what are you going to be serving? Who would I invite? I'd probably invite Oprah. <clears throat> okay. I'd probably invite Oprah Winfrey. What would I be serving? I know that she likes black eyed peas and cornbread. So I would serve her favorites. Happy days. Yeah. Last one, Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. I'm a visual person. Happy days. You like your pictures? Yes, like my pictures. Happy days. Thank you so much for that. So, Melody, tell us a little bit about your story. I think we were talking a little bit earlier and your story is incredible. You grew up in Soweto and you found yourself at AFTA. From there, you started producing one of my favorite childhood shows, Jam Alley. Tell us a little bit about your story. Who is Melody? Where do you come from? So, I was um, born in Soweto, grew up in Orlando West and really grew up during the time, you know, when the country was transitioning, you know, going from apartheid, going into democracy. So a lot of that influenced my, you know, the adult that I became um, because I was politically aware at a young age. I was socially aware of just, you know, the society, the imbalances, you know, that came with that. So that's pretty much what my biggest influence has been. My environment. Your yeah. environment. So growing up in Soweto, I know you, you mentioned earlier that you grew up in a primary school on Vilagazi Street, yes. which is famously known for having two Nobel Peace Prize winners. Yes. What, how did that influence you growing up in a space where you have amazing political leaders, but also lots of poverty? Yes. So, I mean, with the political leaders thing, I just, I mean, I told you that I just never realized how big they were until I was, I guess, I guess, grown up enough to realize, to know that. Um, when we used to go to school on Villagas, we used to actually bump into the archbishop, he used to jog mm. and we used to greet him. But he was just Unkulu in the neighborhood. Right, because we'd be greeting, hello, Archbishop, at least in my head, you know, yes. as a child, you're thinking, you know, Mkulu Archbishop, dude, that's just 
you know, who he was. And as an adult, you grow up and realize, oh my gosh, this guy, you know, this is who he is. And But at the same time, the other contrast of that is that, you know, the reality of just where our country was at the time, and to, to a certain extent, you know, it's still there. Mm. Um that, you know, there was poverty. As, as as much as you had these great leaders and, and they were fighting for freedom, there was still a lot of poverty, you know, that, that impacted my daily life, like, you know, in a big way. Um, and it still impacts a lot of people, you know, and that's what the leaders were fighting for, basically. You know, with democracy, what, you know, I guess they were hoping for was to get us to a place where we are not poor anymore. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so being Melody, growing up in this space, what, what do you think drove you and catapulted you to think, I want to tell stories. I'm going to go to AFTA and I'm going to become an executive producer. Yes. It's a very unconventional career. Yes. So, and you obviously did very well academically. So what drove you to make that decision? So when Jam Ali came on air, this was about 1994, and I just remember looking at and um, watching Vinolia Mashiko and it just got me, it got me so excited because Vimesh embodied something that for me, I viewed as a negative thing at that point in time. Oh, Vimesh, we are pap. Mm. You know, I grew up in Papa. And usually when they say to your Papa, they don't mean it as a compliment. Mm. And then all of a sudden, there comes this woman on TV, Uya Papa. And it's like, Uya Papa, and you get to be on TV just for Papa. And like, I could do this. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, I could do this. And all of a sudden, Papa stopped being something that was negative and something that was wrong. And it became something great. And so for me, just... I wanted to be a person that can make other people feel like that about themselves. For you to take things about yourself, your reality, your personality, and reflect that back to you in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And that is the power of television for me. So in a space where, you know, the robots are coming, yes. the face of TV is fundamentally changing. We've got the likes of Netflix, we've got Hulu, we've got a number of different platforms in which we now consume our content. And everyone's talking about the fourth industrial revolution. And that being our theme for today, where do you see the future of television going? And where do you see the future of us engaging with with technology in the fourth industrial revolution? Well, I mean, there's just so much when it comes to engaging with um, technology in the fourth industrial revolution. When it comes to, you know, in terms of TV and content, the digital side of things, right, when it comes to entertainment, of course, that's um, changing. Um, for example, you know, there was like a, a, a media tech last year convention and there's like technology where the cameras can be operated through a button and you no longer need, you know, cameramen. So, of course, when it comes to the technical stuff, there's like major replacements that, you know, um, are happening. But there's things that you also can't replace, which is the human brain when it comes to thinking and creating content. So you, you're finding that, and this is a lot of research as well, and just a lot of talks and stuff that I've been um, reading when it comes to 4IR is that um, creativity is actually going to be one of the skills that is required a lot when it comes, you know, in, in the fourth industrial revolution, because People need to think. You need to create more things. Mm. And um, the skills that involved repetition, right, are the, are the skills that are getting automated. But when it comes to capabilities like, you know, creativity, comes to human connection, those are the skills that, are, that robots at the stage cannot replace. Yes. Yeah. I think that's very true. I was also reading with, uh, with the World Economic Forum, them also saying that. Yes. That creativity, the ability to create communities yes. are going to become one of the top five skills required yes. um, for the future of work. Yeah. So definitely the future of work is, is fundamentally different. Yeah. Talking about the future, so where do you see Melody in the next five to ten years? Sure, in the next five to ten years, you know, for me, I'm just highly intrigued by digitization, right? And at the same time, I'm really working in a space of how 
can I take my skills now as a content creator and use that to be able to just um, promote knowledge, you know, around what's happening with digitization um, to the average South African out there. So we sit and we get to have these lovely conversations because we've had the privilege of education and, mm-hmm. um, you know, whichever way it may have come, but we've had the privilege of education and that's why we can sit and have these conversations. The average South African out there, you say to them, fourth industrial revolution, they don't know what it is. And those who do know it, they just think about it as the robots are coming to take my job. Mm. Of which to a certain extent, of course, they are coming to take your job. The parts that they don't understand and they don't even have the privilege of engaging with that is that how do I start reskilling? Mm. Right. How do I start going, you know, to the next level? What else can I do? What are these future jobs? Some of these future jobs that we speak about, you find that they already exist, but people don't really know about that. And this is where content comes in now for me as a content creator to say, how do I then use my skills and make them relevant to what is currently important right now? Mm. Um, and we've seen content, you know, that happening with content over the, the years. Um, like for me, one of my great examples is when I think about YFM, right? Uh, back in the days. Yes. So we like the YFM generation like back then, right? Mm-hmm. And when YFM started at the time and it was like really, it was post date, and it just gave black youth just this thing to be proud of. And that was the relevant conversation at the time. And that's what content did for us as a youth. Yes. That you had this radio station and our music was being played. And we had DJs who looked like us, sound like us, dressed like us, you know, and, and everyone in a way was welcome. Your blackness was okay. And so now we're in a different age now, you know, we're entering the digital age and the power of content again, right? So what, can we do now as, as content makers to then be able to promote relevant conversations about what's happening and help to ease the fear, right, from South Africans? Because South Africans are truly afraid of YR and with good reason. Yes. Right? Of course. But now, how do I now as a content maker start to go, okay, um, how do I use my skills to just help promote this conversation, uh, breach the gap? between what the politicians are speaking about, which at the stage is very high level for the average person, and help this person to say, these are the skills that now you can look into. Yes. Yeah. I like what you're saying about creating um, creating that bridge in between, but it's also in a very it's becoming very competitive in, in your space, especially, especially as a content creator, yeah. because you're finding the average man creating their own content. Yes. If you've got a smartphone, you now can create your own YouTube channel. Yes. So where do you see that space going? Because you're now no longer competing with other TV stations. Yes. You're now competing with other platforms as well as your consumers becoming content creators themselves. You know, it's interesting that as much as you have a lot a lot of people creating content. It's weird that the demand for content is still getting bigger. Mm. I mean, you sit there, you would have never thought that Netflix would be able to, to, to have space, right, and have customers and grow. But I mean, look at that. You sit there and you've got DSTV and you've got Netflix. And you still sit there and flip the channel every now and then and say, I don't know what to watch. Mm. So... That is very true. You know what I'm saying? You still sit there with your full bouquet of DSTV, your Netflix, your Showmax, and it's literally all, you've got all these different apps and then every now and then you're like, I don't really know what to watch. And you've got YouTube, but you still just, I don't know what to watch. So you can actually never have enough that is you can very never true. have enough content. That is very, very true. Yeah. So I don't think we would be doing anybody justice, especially our young professionals, in our conversations brought to us by NetBank without us talking a little bit about money. Yes. So how do you see money? How do you spend money? What does money mean to you? Um, what are your saving habits? 
What are my saving habits? So the way that I see money, oh, I've had such a crazy relationship with money because I went from, you know, in my childhood, obviously, you know, growing up poor and stuff, or, or, as a child, you you want to have it. You, you know, you just, you know, you focus on that. I want to have money. I want to have money. I want to have money. Um, but for me, again, again, just when I started working, I've been fortunate enough to be able to have the discipline to have um, very good spending habits. You know, I think money is very important because money is, you know, helps us to be able to do the things that we need to do. We can't have businesses. We can't, you know, for us to be able to sit here and do what we are doing right now, mm. somebody's paying for it. Yes. Right? You know, it's it's taking money. So money is very important. Money is what, you know, fuels our economy. You know, we eat because of money. Um, and so for me, that's just how I see money. Yeah. And some of my saving habits, I mean, I save quite a bit. You know, I save quite a bit and I and I I would encourage and highly promote um saving. Um there is, you know, a thing, you know, in our culture, not say specifically, you know, as, as black people, because that's all I've been all my life. I've never even been anything else. Um where you know You and me both. Yeah, you and me both. You know what I'm saying? So I'll speak to that, you know, where it's you know, you get money and you spend and you spend and you like living from one paycheck to another. And then you get to a point in your life where you just like, I don't really want to do what I'm doing right now. But you find that you're sitting and you are sinking, you know, in debt. Mm. For me to be able to live to to walk from, you know, corporate. It's, you know, if I didn't have the saving habits that I had, I would have been stuck working and having a job even when I didn't want to because I would have been holding on to what am I going to eat? I've got bills. I've mm. got debt, you know. And so saving is important because, you know, then you start to have then the financial freedom. Then you start to focus on what am I passionate about? Then it's not just about what am I eating tonight? You know, how am I paying for my shelter? Um, so I would say I encourage saving, you know, because of that. I, I, I can do the things that I'm doing right now. Because I don't have to worry about what am I going to eat. Yeah. If I was worried about what I'm going to eat, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be slaving somewhere at a job. <laughs> valid point. Very yeah. valid point. Melody, if you were to have a conversation with a younger version of yourself, yeah. what would you want um, a young Melody to know that you know now? A, a note to your younger self. A note to me. I would tell her to just not worry so much. Um... Yeah, you know, my my life has taken shape in ways that, and it still is every day I'm amazed, right? In in ways that are just like beyond what I ever expected for myself. Mm-hmm. And I spent a large part of my childhood and my, especially as a teenager, just worrying about, you know, am I going to get that? Am I going to be able to get this? You know, I'm going to be able to do that. Am I ever going to be able to stop using taxis? I'm going to be able to buy a car one day. Um, But just looking at where my life is right now and just how... It has taken shape. I would actually tell my younger self to just don't worry, baby girl, you know, like the universe has got you. I love that. Yeah. If you could, you know, share a little bit of sage advice to uh, young professionals who are listening to us right now, what would you say to them who are like, you know what, actually, as I'm listening to Melody, this resonates. I want to get into that space in my career. What words of wisdom would you share with them? So what words of wisdom? The words of wisdom is... Just, you know, follow, you have to follow your passion, you know, follow what you're passionate about. And and I'm saying that with caution as well, because I understand that, you know, being able to follow your passion as well is a privilege, right? Mm. And it's it's a privilege that a lot of South Africans, you know, don't have. Like, it's difficult to follow your, to follow your passion when you need to eat. 
right? Um, so, but still, you know, I would say that, you know, where we are sitting right now, you know, as a country and where we are sitting as a continent, the answers that are going to improve our society don't lie in being told what to do, in waiting for someone to say, now, this is the thing that you must go into. That is the thing that you must go to. It, it, the answers lie with the explorers, the, the people who, who dare greatly. You know, to say, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try that. I'm going to follow that. I don't even know if it's going to uh, make me rich one day or not, but I'm I'm passionate about it and I'm going to follow that. So for me, that's what the advice would be, you know, for younger people to say, you know, follow your passion. When I was in high school, um, a film career, if you think about it, would have not, I mean, a lot of people advised me against it mm. because of my circumstances, right? And the safer thing would have been for me to go into medicine. It would have been for me easier for me to go into accounting, first of all, because there were bursaries, a lot of bursaries that were available for that. And, and I didn't have money to pay for university, right? Mm. And so I was doing biology, science, math, and accounting because... You know, my teachers wanted to ensure that I've got a lot more options as possible. I can go into medicine if I want. I can go into accounting if I want. But my heart was just like, no, Andes, that's not what I want to do. Andes. Yeah. And the following my passion part of it was a risk. I also spent three years after high school without studying. I didn't have money because, you know, the world is not dishing up scholarships for people to become filmmakers. Mm. Um, but again, you know, I pushed, you know, I just thought I'm not, you know, I'm not going to end up here. One day I'll get, you know, to where I want to go. Then at, you know, 21, then eventually got an opportunity for me to go, to go to after. But I followed and I pushed through that passion. And I'm glad that I did, you know, and I'm glad that I didn't allow my circumstances to dictate what I could and couldn't do. Mm. And decided to push through and say, I want to go and tell stories because I want to make people feel a certain way. And that's where it's, you know, where I've ended up today. And so I would encourage, you know, younger people as well to look at that and just understand that your circumstances are not permanent. Um, don't let your circumstances force you into things that you're not passionate about and things that you don't like. Take the risk. You're hungry today, so maybe it's worth the hunger. And you might be hungry for another five years, which was what, what happened in my case. You know, it was that between the three years of, you know, trying to get to varsity and the three years of varsity was six years, right, before I could even earn any kind of money. And mind you, I needed it. Mm. But for me, it was important that I followed um, what my spirit said I should do. I knew that for me, this was more than just a, a job. You know, it was a calling. I still don't know where it's going, but I, I know that there's just like bigger things and greater things in the future. And I'm happy that I took that path and I followed what I wanted. I don't think there's a better note to end off than that. Follow your passion. Do not let your circumstances dictate where you will end up. And above all, dare greatly. Yes. Thank you so much, Melody. For more info and to hear even more interesting conversations with young professionals, log on to www.youngprofessionals.co.za.